0: Jason found out that monsters were real at an early age. Even though no one believed him, he knew. He probably never would have gone back out there in the woods if it hadn't been for a twist of fate, when he inherited the very house where the encounter had taken place. With his two closest friends, he went back, determined to reconcile his fears and move on. But instead, his fears were confirmed. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. Today we are discussing the Cherokee Devil, also known as the Sul Kalu, by the Cherokee people. The Slant-Eyed Giant of Cherokee Folklore. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com. And be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow. And hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you'd like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to Carmen at gmail.com. That is c a r m a n c a r r i o n at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook for information on future episodes. I want to thank Frank H for suggesting this episode. And I also want to thank him and the other men and women who are active members or veterans of the armed forces of the United States. Thank you all for your service. I believe. I can't say that I was ever skeptical because the first time I saw him, I was very young and had never heard the legend. My parents took me to visit my aunt and uncle in North Carolina when I was eight I'd been there many times before, but this is the first memory I have of going there. My mom's younger sister had just had her first baby, and mom had to go for a visit. She said she had to get her baby fix, since I was no longer small and cuddly. We drove two hours across five counties in North Carolina to my aunt and uncle's home. They lived in Silva, which wasn't far from the Tennessee Bald, a mountain near the Blue Ridge Parkway on the Haywood-Transylvania border. Now, this was back when kids were meant to stay outside and entertain themselves during the day, except when it was time to eat. Shortly after we arrived, while everyone was drooling over the wrinkly bald baby, my cousin, I grabbed my Hot Wheel carrying case and headed outside to find some dirt. Their house was at the end of a long dirt drive up a hillside, deep in the woods. I remember finding a perfect spot beneath a big oak tree. The grass had been worn down where the dogs had been laying. I could make all kinds of roads in the soft dirt. I didn't realize I was going to get covered in flea bites in the process. Anyway, I settled down in that dirt patch, and within 30 minutes I had made roads, hills, and even a lake— where I dug a hole and poured some water in it. I was deep into my imaginary world, driving my Hot Wheels through my self-made muddy landscape. When I heard my uncle's coon hounds start barking from where they were laying underneath the porch, I turned to look because I hadn't realized they were there. But as I did, they ran out and darted off into the woods, barking up a storm. I figured they were doing their thing and chasing a coon. Their barks faded off into the distance for a bit, but then I heard them turn and head back the direction of the house, still barking. As the sound grew closer, I began to hear heavy footsteps running through the forest as well, way too big to be one of the dogs. Then I heard a strange growl, followed by one of the dogs yelping like it had been hurt, and then another, until finally there was silence. I was just eight. I didn't know to be scared, but I did wonder what those dogs were up to. I forgot about the dogs for a moment and resumed playing when I began to hear the heavy footsteps again, moving slower but getting closer. I stopped what I was doing and looked towards the tree line as a very large hairy creature stepped out, no more than ten feet away from me. It noticed me immediately as I stared up into its red eyes. I should have screamed or ran or anything, but I just sat there and the last thing I remembered was the giant scary monster taking a step towards me. I woke up sometime later in the woods to the sound of my mother's frightened voice yelling for me. I told them what I saw and about the dogs yelping in the woods but even though they found all three hounds dead, they acted like they didn't believe me about the creature. My dad told me years later that they suspected one of the neighbors that lived farther down the dirt road. The neighbor had complained that something was killing his chickens, and my uncle believed he killed the dogs because he thought they were the culprits. I knew what I saw was real. I remember it now. Eighteen years later, As if it had happened yesterday. It has weighed heavily on my mind, heavily lately for a good reason. When my baby cousin was just 16, he and my uncle died in a car crash. My aunt never remarried and was left alone in that old house out in the woods for two years. She lived there until she passed a month ago. My mom believes she grieved herself to death. Without any other kids, she had willed her house to me. I was touched and grateful. Owning a home at 26 was difficult in most cases, so this could be a blessing. But I remembered that creature. I had to go out there and confront my fears before I could decide whether to sell the old place or make it my home. I had read everything I could for years about Bigfoot, and I originally thought that's what I had seen but I'd come upon another legend during my search for answers that fit the creature better. It was called the Sul Kalu in Cherokee and the Cherokee Devil by anyone who you asked in or from North Carolina. The reason it seemed more fitting is that the Cherokee Devil looks much like Bigfoot, but larger and has the ability to read and control minds. That could explain how I had no memory of how I ended up in the woods that day. I wasn't about to make this trip on my own. I asked my girlfriend to go, but she had to work. So I asked my friends James and Jake to go. And yes, their names both start with J. So does mine. My name is Jason. They called us the J-cubed in college. Here comes J-cubed people would say when we were walking across campus together. I had to look it up. It's some really nerdy math moniker. Anyway, they both agreed to go, and I was stoked not to have to do this alone. I'd never told them about the incident, so no one was freaked out or making fun of me. We were going to take a load of beer and have a damn good time. That was the plan, as far as they knew. I kind of felt like a bad friend, but then I heard my parents' voice in my head all those years ago, telling me that it was all my imagination. Jake insisted on driving because he had bought a new truck. We decided to make a week of it, so we packed enough food and clothing to last that long. I had no idea what shape the house would be in, other than my mother had told me that during her last visit there it had been livable, My mom was going to come up at the end of the week and go through my aunt's things to see what she wanted to keep. We set off on Saturday, and on the way I told James and Jake about the legend of the Cherokee Devil, leaving out the part where I believed I had seen it. James was easily spooked, but also the most intrigued by the legend. He asked tons of questions, and even said it would be cool if we saw it. We were deep in conversation when I realized that Jake was about to pass the turnoff to the house. That's it right here, I said quickly, causing him to hit the brakes a little too hard. I could hear the groceries in the back slide across the bed of the truck. Dude, a little more warning would have been nice, he growled back. It was a short drive up the mountainside to the house, and when we pulled in the drive, so many memories came flooding back to me. We went inside to check out the house before unloading the truck. It smelled musty and earthy with a hint of rotting vegetables. It had been closed up for weeks, so I wasn't surprised. I immediately began opening windows and instructed the guys to help. The place needed aired out in a bad way. Once we had all the windows open, we unloaded the truck. The refrigerator was practically empty but needed cleaned so I added that to my to-do list. Finally, I could take a minute and really look around the place and see how much work needed done. I walked through the inside first, checking the electrical outlets, switches, plumbing, and faucets. It really wasn't that bad on the inside. It just needed a lot of updates. Next, I went outside. I noticed immediately that a couple of boards on the front porch needed replaced. Then I walked around the house. I was checking the foundation when I noticed something strange. Beneath one of the windows was what looked like a giant footprint. It had to be at least 18 inches long, maybe longer. I yelled at Jake and James to come look. There's no way that's an actual footprint, James said. There has to be some other explanation. Jake stuck his foot inside the print and said, If that's a footprint, I don't want to see what made it. You guys, there's something I need to tell you. I would have told you sooner, but I didn't want to get laughed at. I began, as there was no better opportunity to bring it up than that moment. This was my chance to share what I'd seen all those years ago. I told them everything, and they both listened without interrupting until the end. So... If this thing is real, how come your aunt and uncle never saw it? Jake asked. I don't know. Maybe they did, but didn't want to tell anyone for the same reason I quit telling people about it. James seemed to be thinking before he finally commented. We should go looking. We could get up early tomorrow and go look for signs in the woods. I'm glad you said that, I said. Because that's part of the reason I wanted to come up here. That evening, we shared stories that we'd heard and cracked jokes about the creature while drinking beer on the front porch. We'd been hearing what sounded like tree limbs knocking together, but assumed it was just the wind. I was about to go inside to grab another beer when something flew past my head, hit the wall of the house, and bounced off, landing on the porch. We all three jumped simultaneously and started to laugh when we saw that it was a rock. It's just a rock, James said as he took a sip of his drink. Yeah, but where did it come from? Jake laughed. There was no time for an answer as another rock came flying through the air and caught me right dead center of my chest. I let out a string of curse words. Jake and James stood up and began looking around the yard, trying to determine where the rocks had come from. Who's out there? Jake yelled towards the dark tree line. Just then, several more rocks were hurled in our direction. One caught Jake right on the forehead and left a bloody gash. That's when we decided to take shelter indoors. I wished then that I owned a gun. Then I remembered my uncle's guns, he had kept them hidden in a secret panel in the back of their closet. I ran to the closet, hoping like hell that they were still there and my aunt hadn't sold them or something. I yanked back my aunt's old clothes hanging on hangers and began trying to figure out how to open the panel. I knocked on it a few times, and as luck would have it, the old piece of paneling fell off and revealed a half dozen shotguns and a big stack of ammunition. He was the one who had taught me how to load, shoot, and care for a gun. I was pulling out the least dangerous of the guns, a Winchester 22, when I heard a ruckus and glass shattering in the living room. Gun and ammo in hand, I left the bedroom and found my friends picking up glass from the floor. What happened? I asked. The rocks are getting bigger, Jake said as he motioned to the rock on the floor that was about the size of a grapefruit. I sat down and began loading the gun. I'm going to fire off a warning shot and see what happens, I explained. Bravely, in appearance only, I opened the front door and stepped out onto the porch. Several more rocks landed on the ground and porch as I raised the gun, pointed it into the air, and fired. The assault stopped immediately. We waited for a good while before we finally heard a low, guttural howl come from the forest. The gun would be going with me tomorrow into the woods.
1: This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you. on iOS and Android.
0: This fall marks 65 years since Bigfoot first entered the public consciousness. The Humboldt Times carried a headline that read, Giant Footprints Puzzle Residents. A rogue construction crew had reportedly found human-like footprints that were a staggering 16 inches long. According to the Little North Carolina newspaper, The enigmatic monster that left the prince was first given the evocative name Bigfoot by the newspaper. And ever since then, it's been trampling through the collective American imagination. But if you look back through folklore, into many different cultures, you will find that Bigfoot or Sasquatch-type creatures have been around for a lot longer than 65 years. They go by many different names, such as Yeti, Yowie, and Skunk Ape just to name a few. But today, we're going to talk about the Bigfoot from Cherokee legendary folklore. This one is an especially scary one, but it's because he has the ability to use mind control. This 10 foot tall hairy beast that can read minds and control thoughts is very popular among the Cherokee culture. The Cherokees are North American Indians of Iroquoian lineage who constituted one of the largest politically integrated tribes at the time of European colonization in America. It's said that they had about 22,500 individuals in 1650, and they controlled approximately 40,000 square miles of the Appalachian Mountains in parts of what is now Georgia, eastern Tennessee, and the western parts of North Carolina and South Carolina. One of the things the Cherokees are best known for is their folklore. Today we'll be diving into one of their most popular legends. This is the story of Sul Kalu, a terrifying giant that can read your mind. Sul Kalu is believed to be the Cherokee version of Sasquatch or Bigfoot, because he seems to share several physical and behavioral traits with the creature. The legend of Sul Kalu, however, is quite different from the original Bigfoot that we all know. It's said that a woman who was a widow lived with her daughter in a town called Kanuga. The mother lived in a house, while her daughter lived in Anasi, a small house made of wood, vines, and river cane, and she lived close by. The daughter was of age to marry and was told by her mother to go out and find a man that was a good hunter. Finally, after what seemed like a long time of searching, One night a stranger came to the girl's Asi, wanting to court her. She asked if he was a good hunter, with which he replied, saying he was a great hunter. So she let him in, and he stayed the night. Before the sun came up, the man said he had to leave and go back home. But before he left, he said he left a deer for the girl and her mother. The next night he came back, but left before morning again this time leaving two deer. The mother was very pleased about this, but asked if the daughter's new sweetheart would be able to fetch them wood. Somehow the hunter knew the mother's thoughts, and the next morning he brought her and her daughter wood, but not in the way they expected. There were several trees uprooted and laying about their land. Making the girl's mother angry, she complained. The next night, the hunter brought nothing, and cleared the trees, leaving the mother and daughter without wood once again. For weeks, this went on, the hunter showing up at night and leaving before daylight, leaving a deer or some other animal for the mother and daughter. Eventually, the mother wanted to know what her daughter's sweetheart looked like. But when the daughter mentioned this to the hunter, he said no, for the sight would frighten the mother. She kept insisting until he finally caved in but said that if her mother is to see him, she cannot say that he looked frightful. So he stayed until morning, and when the daughter brought her mother out to see him, she looked and saw a giant with slanting eyes lying doubled over on the floor with his head against the rafters in one corner and toes scraping the roof in the right-hand corner. Once the mother saw him, she took off running back to her house screaming in Cherokee, she was saying that he looked frightful, which made Sul Kalu very angry. He then came out of the Asi and told the girl he was going back to his own country and wasn't coming back. He then left and the women never saw him again. Sul Kalu translates to, he has them slanting sloping, referring to his eyes. He's also known as the Cherokee Devil or Slant Eye Giant and is a legendary figure of Cherokee mythology. He's said to dwell in the place called Chuneginyi, which is a 100-acre patch that he supposedly cleared out himself on a slope of the mountain Tennessee Bald in Jackson County, North Carolina. Another place associated with Sul Kalu, Chula Senunyi, which translates to where the footprint is, is located on the Tukasigi River, about a mile above Deep Creek in Swain County, North Carolina. People say there used to be impressions there that were the footprints of the giant until they were covered up by a railroad that was built over them. In Jackson County, there's also a massive soapstone boulder called the Judacula Stone. It's covered in petroglyphs, and it's said to have a handprint with seven fingers on it from when Sul leapt from his mountain home onto the ground below and had to use the stone to steady himself sul kalu was the common pronunciation that i found during my research but it may also be pronounced jewel kalu the beast is said to be able to control and read minds and that's how he captures his victims so the cherokee had two different methods to ward off the creature the first being to keep it out of certain places by making a booger mask. They styled it to make it look like the face of the creature, tricking it into thinking that there was a bigger Sul Kalu, which would scare it off. The second was if you were captured and the Sul Kalu attempted to hypnotize and control your mind. The victim being captured would have to have Cherokee blood or else it wouldn't work. They would then have to say the word leave in Cherokee forcing the Sul Kalu to release his victim. Though it doesn't seem like there've been many sightings of this beast, he has been around since the 1600s. But the earliest sightings date way later in 1823 by Europeans who also used the spelling Tuli Kalu. And in the winter of 1978 to 79, there were multiple sightings of a tall figure with black hair in Carpenter's Knob, which was north of King's Mountain, One of the sightings included a man whose goat had died of a broken neck and plenty of other brave hunters who would try to track down the beast, seeing footprints and coming up with theories about a panther being in the woods. But authorities brushed it off, assuming it was just a large black bear. Sightings grew fewer and fewer until they just stopped in the spring of 1979. Then on June 5, 2010, a Cleveland County man named Tim Peeler said he had an encounter with the creature, saying it had killed one of his five dogs. He described the creature as being 10 foot tall with a long beard and blonde yellow hair. The police filed the report as a suspicious person report and say they patrol Peeler's property regularly, just in case they come into contact with the beast again. And though it seems like that's the siding with the most publicity, The last sighting of the beast was sometime in 2015. Nowadays, Sul Kalu is in pop culture everywhere. He appears in the popular game World of Warcraft as a white gorilla known as Northern Stranglethorn or as the Earth Spirit, where he's neutral unless attacked and is often tamed by hunters for his unique appearance. He also appears in the film The Devil's Courthouse as Judah Kula, and is a ravenous creature that terrorizes a young woman, her brother, and a small group of friends in the Appalachian Mountains of Western North Carolina. He's also in two novels, the first being The Lost Hero, mentioned by Piper McLean's father, Tristan McLean, after she, Jason Grace, and Leo Valdez rescue him from Enceladus, a giant monster who Tristan McLean, a Cherokee, sees through the lens of Cherokee mythology the other novel being titled flux where he is the main antagonist mountain monsters also mentions him in the season finale of the third season and is mentioned in the beginning of the fourth season making him the second monster of the series to be a subject in three episodes sul Kalu, juda or the cherokee devil may still be hunting in the hills of north carolina so if you're out there be careful and if you run into him don't call him frightful. It was a beautiful day for a hike, but that didn't make this trip into the woods any less scary. I'd seen enough proof last night to know that something was out there besides deer and coyote. I had retrieved three more guns from their hiding place and put the twenty two back. I wanted something more powerful while we were out in the open unprotected. Jake showed James how to load and fire. Jake was raised on a farm, so he probably knew more about guns than I did. I was surprised that they were both so gung-ho to go on this monster hunt, but they seemed excited. We took off early after fixing some breakfast and scarfing it down. When we first passed the tree line and entered the forest, there were squirrels barking and birds chirping. But as we made our way deeper in, the animals began to quiet down. I was trying to find the location of the place where I'd been found in the woods that day years ago. I knew that it had probably changed somewhat, but I remembered a tree with a knot on the side that looked like a laughing face, and that's what I was trying to find. I think it was just sheer luck that we found that tree, because I was beginning to feel like we were lost, then all of a sudden there it was. It hadn't changed at all, from what I could remember. I was running my hand over the rough surface of the tree, with Jake and James standing close, probably wondering what I was doing. That's when I realized we hadn't spoke a word since entering the woods. I opened my mouth to explain to them where we were, but then we heard it again, the knocking sound from the night before. Jake held his gun up in front of him, facing in the direction the sound was coming from. I raised my gun as well. We heard the knock again, this time closer, and then another from the opposite direction. Was there more than one out there? The thought had never crossed my mind until now. What would we do if we ran into more than one of these giant creatures? Guys, I began, I think maybe we should head back. This might not have been such a great idea. I think you're right, James quickly added. Let's get out of here. Jake didn't say anything, but he followed us as we turned to head back. We could still hear the occasional knocking from both directions, one after the other, and they seemed to still be getting closer. Then we began to hear something big moving through the forest on both sides. They were close enough now that we could hear their footsteps. I was ready to start running when I realized Jake had stopped. He was standing there staring off into the woods with an empty look on his face. What are you doing? I asked. He didn't answer or even look my way. He just slowly squatted down and laid his rifle down on the ground. He then stood up and started walking off into the woods. James and I both grabbed him and began trying to pull him back, but it was no use. All we could do was follow him. We walked behind him. My hands were full because I'd picked up his gun. He kept going until he reached a small clearing in the woods, and then he stopped. We stood there for a few seconds waiting, for what we weren't sure. Then suddenly we heard it coming through the woods huge heavy steps breaking limbs and crushing the earth beneath then the trees parted and a large creature stepped out and stood there it was covered in black and silver fur its eyes glowed bright and red it was staring right at jake i was shaking so bad that i dropped jake's rifle and when i did the creature looked at me but only for a moment It then focused on Jake again. Jake took a step towards it, and then another. He was walking right to the creature. He must have completely lost his mind. No, that wasn't it. I began to remember. The legend said the creature had the ability to control your mind. It had Jake in its grip, and he was going to walk straight into its reach. I grabbed for Jake again, but when I did, the creature let out a howling roar, so loud that I almost peed my pants. I backed up so fast that I tripped and fell to the ground. I wanted to get up and run, but I didn't want to leave my friend. That's when I realized James was gone. He must have panicked and took off. I didn't blame him. I stood there and watched helplessly as the big hairy thing turned and walked back into the woods. And Jake followed. I should have tackled him. I should have screamed. I should have fought. But I didn't do anything. I just stood there until I could no longer see either one of them, and then I waited some more. I was still standing there, struggling with what to do next, when I heard a howl, and then another, followed by screams. It was Jake he sounded like he was being torn to shreds. I ran into the woods hoping to find him, hoping to somehow help. My gun was raised. I was ready. But there was no trace. When I heard the crashing sound of the terrifying creature coming towards me, I finally turned and ran. I ran in the direction I thought would lead me back to the house. I ran, hoping the whole time That if i kept enough distance that thing couldn't get into my head i ran until i was covered in scratches and my knees felt like they were about to give out until i finally ran right out into the driveway in front of the house there was no sign of james so i went inside limping at this point and locked the door behind me i called out for james but there was no answer i felt more than i knew That he wasn't there i was standing in the middle of the living room with my rifle hanging from my hand this is my fault i had brought them here grief is a crippling emotion so is fear when i heard the rocks crashing against the house i ran to the closet and hid it went on for hours until sunset and then paused for a bit and then began again I stayed huddled in that closet shaking until sunrise, and still I didn't come out. I didn't understand why that monster didn't just crash through a door or wall, but it never did. I stayed hidden in that closet for three days. I was in shock. When my mom arrived at the end of the week, she found me there dehydrated and unconscious. I never saw James or Jake again. I sold the house and swore to never go back. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast podcast network. The home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to ericast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Destination Terror and Redwood Bureau. If you'd like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion@gmail.com. at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. Tune in next week as we discuss the Michigan Dog Man. Until next time, stay safe out there because this world is a strange one.